Hello, and welcome to Brain to Board. About seven weeks ago, I decided to start designing a board game. About six weeks ago, I decided to start this podcast to document the thinking behind the game itself and the process of actually getting it out into the world. Often, simpler is better. Of course, this applies to board games, too. The best board games are often created when complex strategy and tactics emerge from straightforward rule sets. Extra mechanics that add a tiny bit of variety to a game at the expense of legibility and ease of play are usually not a trade-off that should be made, as I learned this week during the playtesting of my game. This episode, I'll tell you about how I've pared down my game to its core essence and how that has made it much better. Also, a bit of follow-up on drive through cards from the last episode. Alright, so I said there'd be follow-up on drive through cards. The truth is, there's not much to follow up on. The cards have been printed, at least according to them, I got an email about it, and they are in the mail. So, hopefully by next episode at least I'll have those and be able to talk about some of the quality of the cards and decisions I made in them. Unfortunately, the cards that I have printed and that are being shipped are already slightly incorrect because some of the changes that I've made that I'm going to talk about in this episode... I made those after I printed the cards, but it's fine. They're close enough that I can definitely use them, and the rules are simpler now, so it's not going to matter as much that the cards aren't perfect. So, let's get into that. I haven't given a super detailed explanation of the rules of this game here yet. Um, In this game, I'm tentatively calling representative for now. The theme has come after the mechanics. Um, I came up with the mechanics first and then themed it around that. So the theme is kind of that it's a, I don't know, like a Congress-type situation. It's a political thing. And there are two major groups of people. Um, They aren't necessarily like political parties or anything. They're just two major groups of voters. You've got one group that wants to represent what the majority of their supporters want them to do. Those are called the representatives, and they are the larger group. And then you've got one group that's working against them in secret, and those are called the disruptors, and they want the majority to not win. And the interesting part is the representatives who want the majority to win don't know what the majority is. So you've got these policy cards that are going going out to everyone, and they're different colors, and they're a majority of one color, and if you are a representative, you want to vote for that majority policy. If you're a disruptor, you want to vote against it, but the disruptors know what the majority policy is, while the representatives don't. So you've got the hidden information where the smaller group has the information that the larger group needs to win, so that's how it sort of balances itself out. And on top of that, at least for the one version of this game, there needed to be a a, a sort of neutral party to balance things out, so I added what was called the Loyalist. And the Loyalist is somewhat neutral, and they help to keep balance, because all they care about is whatever the policy they end up with at the end of the game is. So most of the time, that's going to be the majority policy, but still fairly often it's not going to be. And the only person who knows what they end up with are those disruptors, so once again the disruptors can try to influence the Loyalist. So the Loyalist kind of ends up on either team, and it just depends on how the game plays out. So all of these affiliations I've told you about, they are secret. Nobody knows what they are. If you are a representative, you can't prove that. You want everyone to believe you that you are, but you certainly can't prove it. And if you're a disruptor, you want the people to think that you're a representative because you want them to think that you're working with them when you're probably not. So the problem is that the representatives who want majority policy to win need to have some information or else it's just a complete guessing game for them. If the disruptors have all the information and they have none, well, there's nothing they can do. So... The simple solution to that is a secret phase during which they get to see some cards, but 
the cards all get moved around during this phase, so they aren't sure, like maybe they saw a lot of yellow policy cards. But they can't know for sure if that means the yellow is actually the majority because other people are moving the cards around. They don't know how they got moved. So maybe they saw the same yellow card like three times. And in the original version of this game, that's what I'm detailing right now, everyone has a role for this secret phase where you're looking at cards and moving them around. And your role tells you what you can see and what you can move. So basically you've got like one role that switches to other people's cards and then looks at a different card. You've got like a role that just looks at a card and doesn't move anything, so you have the advantage of not having to have as much confusing movement if you're that person. Uh, that sort of thing. And there were like three different roles. In addition to that, your affiliation also influences what you do during this phase. So if you're a disruptor, you don't really need any more information, so you never look at cards and you never move cards around, but of course you can lie about that later. And if you are a loyalist, you need a lot of information to figure out what you have, so you get to look at a card every time. Otherwise, you have to like pay attention to a counter in the middle and see whether or not you can actually look at a card this time. So that all sort of made it confusing, having the affiliations and the roles both telling you what you can do during this phase and then having the affiliation supersede the roles even though it seems like the roles are like a special thing that you should do so that that just in general didn't work super well the other interesting aspect of the game which is i haven't really changed anything about is that this secret phase is timed but doesn't have a turn limit so it's like 90 seconds say for a five player game and all you do is if it's your turn you look at the cards you get to look at you move the cards you need to move and then you tap someone else and you close your eyes and everyone sort of has their hands in the middle of the table so you don't have to like awkwardly reach really far to tap someone and then it's their turn and they look at the cards and move cards or whatever they're doing and then they tap the next person and in that way the speed at which you tap people really matters because you get more information if you do that so that really keeps it tense and moving and often you'll forget things because you were just so frantically trying to get through your turn and just try to get more information out there but in the process, you didn't really pay attention to what that color was that you just saw. Like, was that red? Did I see red last time? Maybe I saw blue. I'm not sure. Uh, and that can create some interesting and funny problems. So overall, I actually really like that system, having the timed round with no turn limit, because that makes it super fun and tense, and people make mistakes, which is, of course, fun in any kind of hidden information game. So you get to the part where you're, like, telling people what you saw during that phase, and you're like, I think I saw red, but maybe it was yellow. And then everyone, like, accuses you of lying, but you're like, no, I just honestly didn't, don't remember. That's probably one of my favorite parts of the game, is that it sort of forces you to move fast and make mistakes. So as it plays like that, the game works, and it's fun. You know, it's a good game. But it takes like three games before the rules make sense to everyone, because the first three games you're just like fumbling through it, and it's like, wait, so if I was a disruptor and a swapper, do I swap the cards? No, I don't? Okay, that's weird. And it takes like three games for everyone to figure that out, and then people still make mistakes. Fortunately, the game still tends to work, even if minor mistakes are made. But overall, that's just not really a good... Not, it's not a good thing. It's good that the game is fun and that it works when everyone knows what they're doing. But it takes so long to figure out what you're doing that I would imagine that with like a game where you're just reading the rules and you don't have me there, the creator of the game, to explain it to you, that's just not a tenable situation. So, what's the solution? Well, what I did is I got rid of the rolls entirely. See, the rules were there to add a little bit of variety and have something else you need to keep track of, something else you can make mistakes with. Not like mistakes in actually following the rules, but mistakes in terms of like your reasoning. In practice, though, it made it more complicated 
and made it so that you can make more mistakes, but didn't really make the core aspect of the game, which is negotiating and trying to like figure out who's lying to you and who's telling the truth. It didn't really add to that, so it wasn't actually really adding much fun, it was just adding complication. So instead, I baked the roles into the affiliations, and now it plays that if you are a representative player, you swap two other people's cards, you look at a card if the vision indicator says you can, you flip the vision indicator for the next person, and then you tap someone. Real simple. And you just do that every time. If you are a disruptor, you don't do any of that. You just flip the vision indicator and tap the next person. It makes it really fast because they also benefit if they like stall. And in the rules, it's going to say that you shouldn't do that. And I want to make it as easy as possible to not accidentally stall. So you just have one thing to do. If you're a disruptor, you just flip that vision token and tap the next person. And then the loyalist is the same as the representative. They just look every time regardless of what the vision indicator says. And that, I believe, will make it so that the rules are way more streamlined and people won't be as confused because they won't have two different things, one of which takes precedent over the other. Those are the basic changes I've made, and I've really been thinking about that as sort of a philosophy for this game. It's meant to be a, I mean, like kind of like a party game, almost. Uh, it's a social deduction game. It's all about just being with your friends and having your friends be a big part of the game. So I really wanted to emphasize that aspect of it and make it so that the game sort of fades into the background as much as possible. I think that's a good philosophy for this sort of game. Now, there is another version of the game, which I think really helps with this, and that is the best of three version, where you do three rounds, and after each round, you don't reveal whether or not you got it right. Like, the representatives don't get to know whether they actually voted for the majority policy. Rather, you just have an indicator of what was voted for and what was the majority policy, and you set those aside, and then you play the next round. And then after that round, you set those aside. And at that point, the only person who knows for sure who's winning and who's losing is the leader of the disruptors. And if either team has won at that point, they announce it. But if not, they just don't say anything, and no one knows who that is. But now you have two whole games of experience and seeing how your friends have been acting, and you can draw on that and bring that into the last round. It makes the last round really interesting because it's like, I feel like you're making sense and I feel like I should listen to you. But in the first round, you were really suspicious. And I just love having that build up of in the first round, everyone seems kind of suspicious. And then something happens. And the next round, everyone seems kind of suspicious and something happens. And you know that one of those times you got it right... And it's like, were you acting suspicious the first round because you were misguided or because you were lying to me? And just bringing all of that baggage into the last round is really, really fun. So, what's the conclusion here? I don't know what the conclusion is, but overall I think I've made the game more fun, more streamlined, easier to learn, which is a big one, and easier to play. You're not going to lose track of as many things, you're not going to make as many mistakes in the actual gameplay. It gives you more room to make mistakes just with your reasoning and logic and stuff. So that's all for this week. Thank you for listening. This has been Brain Board. You can email me at braindeboard at gmail.com if you want to get in touch, if you have any suggestions or corrections. I don't know what you would correct about this because I'm literally telling you about my own game. Uh, but it just sounded like something I should say at the end here. Anyway, the music in this podcast is by Technoax. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next Friday.